This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and your one-stop shop for optimizing all your office technology. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Is it caught? Is it caught? Oh my goodness, it's caught! DeAndre Hopkins caught it! He caught it for a touchdown! You've got to be joking me! Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the guys who cover the team. Drilled by Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is balling. Bring it on, bring it on. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, Kyle, unfortunately, Paul Calvisi is not with us today. It's just today. You know, I, I don't want to make it sound any uh, to anybody out there <laughs> that he will grave. never be <laughs> joining us ever again here on Cardinals Underground, uh, presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Kyle Odegaard is with me. I'm Darren Urban. And as we are here in the dead of the uh, the summer, the, the Suns making their push towards a potential championship, Larry Fitzgerald, Suns minority owner, as we refer to him these days. As uh, Jim O'Mahundra was uh, noting before we got on the air, it's uh, Aaron Rodgers, minority owner of the Bucks, against Larry Fitzgerald, minority owner of the Suns. All this talk about Larry Fitzgerald's football future, and it turns out that we've changed the narrative, and now it's all about Larry Fitzgerald and his basketball team. But props to him. No matter where he goes, success seems to follow. And I do think it's all, all because of him why they're in the finals. Well, there's no question that uh, I'm not going to let uh, – Paul Calvisi or no Calvisi, uh, not, I'm not going to let us get away from the end of this podcast without going back to Uh-oh. Fitz, but that's later. You have your own theories? Uh, well, I don't know if I have my own theories, but we'll, we'll make them a topic later. I, I, so Kyle doesn't know what's coming here, and, and I certainly didn't want to blindside him. But So Kyle, I am, uh, I am a fan of, of the comic book movie type genre. Uh, I'm guessing you are not? No. I didn't think so. <laughs> Well, that's if lovely. this is a quiz, I'm going to fail. No, no, it's definitely not a quiz. <laughs> but uh, I did kind of lift an idea. So uh, Disney Plus, which has all the Marvel stuff, they have a bunch of Marvel TV shows. And one of the uh, upcoming series, it's going to be animated, but one of the upcoming series is going to be called What If? And they basically are going to do a series of, of animation cartoons of what, you know, what, you know, what if this person was Captain America instead of Steve Rogers, that kind of thing. So I mm-hmm. thought the What If concept... Yeah, would work very well here on Cardinals Underground today. So I have a series of of things that we can touch on here as we as we peruse the July dead time of of Cardinals off season. Um, what if San Antonio Holmes actually got no, two feet down? See, I'm not going there. You know, it's funny. I, I was I was trying to use my my two sons to try and help me with some of these (laughs) and that was like one of the first ones that was thrown out there and i'm not (laughs) ripping at that scab and i'm not doing that stuff and i'm and i tried some of these are may end up being kind of obvious i tried to focus in on the season that's coming and uh and i tried not to make it too obvious i'm not going to sit here and say you know what if jj watt has 20 and a half sacks because yeah we know what's going to happen if J.J. Watt has 20 half sacks. So, I mean, some of them might be a little more, more obvious than others, but hopefully it will spur some interesting and intelligent conversation, Kyle. That's what we go for here. And, and clearly without having Paul, you know. It's I, more intelligent, uh, more, more interesting. More possible. So, 
So we're going to start with number one. So this is going to be kind of an easy one. We're going we're to ease into this one. Uh, what if Kyler Murray becomes a consistent passer on the intermediate level this season? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the key to this offense in this season. If he does that, that means that overall he's going to be an efficient passer. I mean, I think we can extra- extrapolate that out. If you're getting doing well in the intermediate game, we know he's got the deep ball. We know he can throw screen passes and runs. So totally, if if the intermediate game clicks, I feel like this team is definitely a playoff team. Well, I just want to state for the record that if we don't extrapolate this stuff out, it's going to be a very short <laughs> podcast. So let's extra- extrapolate. But I, I I think we've talked about this before, Kyle. I mean. I think Kyler Murray has done a lot of things in his two years in the NFL that have been very impressive and give you a lot of reason to think that this guy can be your long-term answer at quarterback and and probably will be your long-term answer at quarterback. But I think as we go forward, and, and I, I you don't always want to weave the football part of it with the money part of it, but I do believe like you're going to need some steps forward from Kyler Murray and this is a great example, that intermediate passing game on a consistent level. Um, because once he starts making the next contract money, once you don't have him on that rookie deal anymore, once you start losing a little bit off of what you can do to the rest of the roster, he's going to have to take his game to that next level. Like you see all these other quarterbacks being able to do that. And one of the reasons it's so important is because you are going to lose some skill spots or some talent at other positions, and you're going to have to make up for it. And the idea is is that your quarterback is going to be next level to be able to, to pull that off. Yeah, and I think a great example of that is Russell Wilson. When they were so good, when Russell Wilson was on his rookie deal, they won a Super Bowl. They would have won. They almost won a second one uh, with him there, if not for Malcolm Butler. So the question was, can Russell Wilson do it when this defense loses guys because of the cap and Richard Sherman left and Earl Thomas left and uh, Cam Chancellor got hurt and retired. And Russell Wilson showed that I'm not just part of this system. I'm not just inflated because we've got Marshawn Lynch and a great defense. And yeah, Kyler Murray eventually is going to be at that point. And I think he's similar to Russell where they both had this extremely high floor because they're mobile and because they can make a lot of throws with their arm. Russell showed he can reach MVP level and make this team competitive, even with some shortcomings. Their offensive line in Seattle has been really bad for three or four years, and it doesn't matter. So I totally agree. Where Kyler Murray is going to have to get to that point this season, it's gravy. Like I think yeah. they're going to be good, even if they don't have the intermediate game. But if they get it, then you talk about the ceiling being raised really high. I, I just think ultimately, you know, that's where you need your 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 stud quarterback to go anyways I mean and then if you forget about the contract for a minute I mean if you really think that this guy is your long-term answer these are the steps that have to be made too I mean and I think ultimately and I know you've always been on the Kyler bandwagon and I I I see you roll your eyes sometimes when there's some criticism to Kyler's to Kyler's game and I understand that and I just think that ultimately that's what those great quarterbacks end up doing yeah, see, I think he's a franchise guy, even if he doesn't become above average in the intermediate game, because I think he's got so many different facets to what he does. But that's the if we're talking about absolute ceiling becoming a top five quarterback in the NFL in the MVP conversation, that's what I think he has to do is throw the ball efficiently in the intermediate level. But even without that right now, I still think he's arguably a top 10 quarterback without it. So that just shows how good he can be. 
Okay, uh, number two here is um, another softball. You know, I know you, you know you came off a few days of vacation, <laughs> warming uh, up, batting I, practice. I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, strain. So is this you. saying there are wrong answers down the road? No, there are. That that's. I try to make this so there's no wrong answer. What this is supposed to do is generate conversation in this dead of the summer <laughs> podcast, because you know we've got a couple of big overall like over arching offense defense podcast coming up and i i don't want to be in a position where we're talking about the same stuff every week so even though we're kind of talking about the same stuff every week i hope you're still listening out there everybody (laughs) thank you thank you for listening what if chandler jones returns to 2019 form yeah i mean obviously the defense without him last year was above average and then if you add him not only does that mean Chandler Jones is getting a bunch of sacks, but it means he's playing every game. He's taking load off of other people. If Chandler Jones has that type of season, that means other guy he's getting double teamed if he's doing that, which means other guys are getting more opportunities. So, yeah, if he does that, they're they're in great shape obviously and that season was so good that I don't think Chandler Jones is going to replicate that again in his career. So that's very much pie-in-the-sky thinking. But if they get there, it's going to elevate the entire defense. All right, 2017 form, whatever. I, I will say this, and see, this is why the what-if kind of thing is so awesome here, Kyle, because it can go in so many different directions. Because when I wrote that question, it wasn't just about what it might mean for the defense. I was thinking – what does it mean for his contract? Because obviously he's going in the last year of his contract. If he returns to that form, yeah, I mean, fingers crossed Steve Kime gets a deal done ahead of time because if, if you're waiting till after the season, that could get pricey. Oh, yeah. I mean, if he, if he does that, unless it's backloaded and he gets all 20 sacks or whatever he got in the last eight games, <laughs> maybe they sign him. But if he does any of that early, you know he's not signing extension and – he was tagged once already with the franchise tag, so I think if he gets tagged again, oh, that's a good point. it's a I super high one-year deal. So he's if he has a good year, despite his age, he's in a good spot because edge rushers that can get to the passer get paid even at that age. I think it's it's really interesting. Uh, ESPN does a, a annual rating where they talk to a bunch of anonymous scouts and coaches and GMs about where players stand, and then they do each position – and uh, coming off 2019, going into 2020, Chandler Jones was the second, considered the second best ed- edge rusher in the NFL. They just had their most recent one. I mean, he played, what, four four games and a quarter. He had one sack, and he's still rated as the fifth best edge rusher in the league by these people. And uh, there was even one quote from an uh, AFC defensive coordinator saying they still thought Chandler Jones uh, the, the the injury was not going to really impact how good he was. And, and ultimately, I think it's impressive that that many people still think that much of Chandler Jones, and it just shows you what he has put on film over his career. Yeah, and I think it's it's almost like Pro Bowls where your track record is taken into account majorly, and that helps him. And now it's, it is a matter of at this age, coming off this injury, can he duplicate it? And obviously if he does, he's shown he's a, a top five pass rusher, no problem. You're just getting to the age now where every year people are going to wonder, is this the year where you start to slip? We saw it with Patrick Peterson, and obviously 
he moved on to a different team, and now Minnesota thinks he's going to rebound. Chandler didn't have that slippage in his play because it was only a four-and-a-half game sample size. But those questions are going to come up. They do to every single person in their 30s. And so I think it's an important year for Chandler Jones. Like we said, I don't think he's going to get back to defensive player of the year type caliber player, but if he can be a 12-sat guy, that's really important. It is important because uh, ultimately I have those same questions about Kyle Odegaard in his 30s and <laughs> if he's lost any of his fastball there. I, I decided not to peak earlier on, so I'm just riding a good wave. I'm like Fitz where, you know, I well, I guess Fitz peaked early, but I'm just trying to have this nice mid-30s run and then I'll move to tight end. I, and I don't mean to make this about me because I, I shouldn't. First of all, I can barely remember my 30s, but I was a little bitter – uh, the other day in some Twitter back and forth about this infamous tattoo tattoo. Um, but Fitz at one point said that he was always on my side uh, because we share the same birthday 20 years apart. And it, <laughs> it hurt me bad because we are most certainly not 20 years apart. He rounded up quite a bit. He rounded up quite a bit. In fact, you're not supposed to be rounding up. 13 does not round up. Yeah, you're he supposed to round down. Yeah. I was very bitter about that, Kyle. What would it be without Larry Fitzgerald needling somebody? It, it used to be in the locker room. Now it's on Twitter. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> All right, we'll move on to the next one. I, I like this one a lot, actually. What if every team stays healthy in the NFC West? Man, I mean, obviously that would be a battle royale. And yeah, it would. It's certainly not going to happen. I mean, it. No, somebody's going to lose their quarterback or a key player. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be interesting. It's I'm trying to think of how I would do the pecking order, and you can make an argument for so many of these teams. Yeah. Like, I still like the 49ers a bunch. It's just that big quarterback question. I was going to say, who's quarterbacking that yeah. 49ers team you like a bunch? And the guy that brought them to the Super Bowl, he didn't bring them, but he was their yeah, quarterback, I, and they made it. But, um, but, but here, here's a, a quick question on that, and I don't want to derail the, the greater overarching thing but when when it comes to the 49ers I'm like you're right he did lead them to the Super Bowl but he went through that whole season and it wasn't until the playoffs where things seemed to change a little bit in terms of how people were viewing him number one and number two that was a long time ago and it was before they spent a third overall pick on his replacement it was before he knew they were basically trying to run him out of town at some point doesn't that impact him yeah, and I, I think Jimmy G is squarely a below-average quarterback, so I don't think they made the Super Bowl because <laughs> of him. he's not listening to this podcast. I mean, they, they, they beat the Packers in that playoff game, and they they threw it like five times or yeah. something. They ran the ball seven yards, eight yards a carry. So he didn't lift them there. I'm just saying that their roster is so good that they made the Super Bowl despite below-average quarterback play. And I still think that roster is close to what it was, but the quarterback is such a wild card and – if if Trey Lance comes in and is a good player immediately and he can give them an upgrade, that's a really scary team. And I think Kyle Shanahan's offense is super quarterback friendly where Jimmy G puts up decent numbers in that offense. And I think it's similar to Sean McVay. His offense is very quarterback friendly too. So I, I'm always nervous about those two teams and those two coaches. I think they're really, really smart coaches and they got good rosters. If the Rams stay healthy – that's going to be a really good team too. It's it's hard. It's like all those teams you like quite a bit based on their rosters. But that means the Cardinals are healthy too, though. Right. Yeah. I mean, if and if, there's some guys that you're wondering if they're going to stay healthy, and all of a sudden they're healthy. Yeah. No, that's a good point. JJ Watt staying healthy, Chandler Jones staying healthy. That means you've got Kyler all 16 games. 
17. 17 games, yeah. Uh, I don't want to say, like, I don't think you can project the Cardinals to win the division if everyone stays healthy because of what the other teams have shown the last couple of years, but I don't think you can count them out. I don't think you can go into a season saying if the Cardinals get a full season of J.J. Watt and Kyler Murray and Chandler Jones and D-Hop, they can, they can win these games. I mean, so many of them are going to come down to the last five minutes. If you get a little bit of close game luck, sure, the Cardinals could win the division. Bottom line is, ultimately, you're right. There's going to be teams that are going to get banged up because it's football, number one. And, and, and maybe it's just all the aftershock of all this national garbage of, of especially Lakers fans, it seems like. But the, the people complaining of the Suns making it to where they're making it, I'm like, I, I, who gives a flying fig? I mean, I don't. Who would care about that if you're a team that has a chance to win? And, you know, everybody, you know, everybody starts the same. If you get guys hurt, oh, well. You're, you're, you know, I, I don't see the Lakers fans all getting sad if somebody else gets hurt, if they play somebody. Yeah, like you said, it's like that every single year. And usually the two teams that make the finals have good good injury luck. And, and the I mean, the Suns are – on the other side of it for so many years, whether it be the Amari injury or suspensions to Amari or the Joe Johnson injury. So it's not like they didn't have their fair share of injuries back in the day. And even in this playoff run, Chris Paul getting hurt, Devin Booker breaking his nose. I mean, they COVID for Chris Paul. Good point. They've had plenty of adversity too, but you know, going back to football. <laughs> yeah. Right, I, football. Yeah. I mean, we look at it just last year and the Niners were the team that everybody thought was going to win the NFC West because of what they did. And, and they were just hammered by it. So you just have to hope, especially Kyler Murray staying healthy yeah. for all 17 games. If you lose some of the other stars for two or three, it's not good, but you can get past it. But Kyler Murray obviously has to stay healthy. What if, and we kind of got a sneak preview if you paid attention to Flight Plan, the most recent Flight Plan episode. What if Christian Kirk is the full-time slot receiver? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that's good. Makes sense, right? Yeah, and Cliff Kingsbury basically said as much in flight plan. He brought him over and said, do you like the inside? And Christian Kirk said, yeah. He said, we can use the outside if we need you. But it's clear when they signed A.J. Green and Steve Kimes said we're playing him outside. Yeah. Okay, let's let's do the math here. You have two outside guys in D-Hop and A.J. Green. So Christian Kirk will be in the slot, and that's where he played a lot at Texas A&M. He's done it some in the NFL, but – with his height, I think it makes sense with his route running ability. I think I think it's going to be his best position, whether that means he's going to put up his best numbers of his career. I'm not sure because the target share could be lower this year now that you have A.J. Green and Rondale Moore and you still have D-Hop and you have Chase Edmonds catching the ball out of the backfield. But I think if he's the most efficient in his career in the slot in this season, that opens up a lot for the passing game, which we saw last year. D-Hop was the one consistent producer. Christian Kirk was very up and down. There were some games he was that clear number two, but they didn't have it overall. So even if he's not your clear number two, if he's a reliable threat in the slot, I think that opens up the passing game. And like we said with the first question, then maybe you can make strides to be above average in their intermediate passing game. I am curious to kind of see where Rondale Moore fits into this. And if Andy Isabella fits into this at all. I mean, I'm guessing he's got a long shot, but... Guys get hurt. You never know what's going to happen. Uh, the more thing is a very uh, – that just kind of jumps out at me. I feel like uh, on a lesser – it's kind of like Zayvon Collins on a lesser level. Like 
they came right out and said Zayvon Collins is going to be starting, and that's all there is to it. And I don't feel like there's been a lot of attention put to it, but I really feel like the vibe is that we are absolutely going to use Rondale Moore in this offense, dang it, because we drafted him in the second round, and it's going to happen. Yeah, and I think in, in a more traditional offense, he wouldn't play much as a rookie, but Cliff Kingsbury is more than happy to go four wide if he's got four wide receivers that are that should be on the field. And I have a feeling Rondell Moore will show that in camp. I think he's going to be your most explosive short area weapon, and I think the Cardinals are in dire need of that. So I think he fills a very specific need on this offense, and maybe he's not out there 70% of the time, but even if it's – 30 or 40% of the time, he could still get six to eight touches because they want to dial things up specifically for him. Yeah. What if I – can, I can just see the, the tension in your face as you wait for the next question. What if Robert Alford is healthy going into the regular season? Going into the regular season? Yes. I'm expecting that. I mean, I – Why? Why? <laughs> because – No offense to Robert, but like the last two times we've waited for that, that didn't happen. So I felt like that was a fair question to bring up. Yeah. I think – I mean, I think the odds I'm expecting are, it too, but the, – The past results don't – what is it? Don't indicate prior per, – future performance, future whatever. performances. Um, I, I think – The momentum says he's going <laughs> to – Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I, think, I think he'll be healthy to start and – like we've talked about, I don't think it was necessarily these injuries like a hamstring that are going right. to keep on going. So I expect him to be healthy to start. It's just a matter of will he stay healthy all season and will he be able to play like he did when he was 27, 28 years old? Because you do have competition. We've talked about it in past podcasts. Byron Murphy can go outside or if they like one of the rookies, if if they want to get Darquez Denard on the field, there's a lot of different combinations they can do at corner. So I think Robert Alford is definitely going to get the first shot at it. But if he, he's got to stay healthy and he's got to produce because there are a decent amount of options behind him. And he, he they, they paid him a lot of money to sign, and Steve Kime obviously really liked him. We just never saw if he could live up to that contract because people were wondering if he should have gotten that contract three years ago. And we never knew because he never actually got on the field for a game. So I think he still has to prove from a performance standpoint too, that he can beat out these other guys. He did look really good in the, well, last year's training camp was over before really even got started. But the the first training camp, he looked really good and it looked like he was going to absolutely be that guy. So, I mean, he had it in him then. and, And I know he's super, uh, motivated at this point it's just it's going to be interesting because I think the health has a lot to do with you know we're going to have a series of articles coming out about each position and talking about who are locks for this team and who are have work to do and uh, I was doing the cornerbacks and I don't have Robert Alford as a lock even though I feel like if he stays healthy he is a lock if that makes any sense I feel like it's not fair for me to say he's a lock at this point because of what he's gone through the last couple of years yeah yeah, I mean, I think you're right. If if he stays healthy, I would be shocked if he just didn't have enough performance to simply make the team. Yep. If he has a nagging injury, do they just pull the plug and say, hey, he's just too injury prone? But I think with the lack of depth on the outside, 
I'd be pretty surprised if he isn't on this team, even if he is dealing with something small. I think you keep him because his upside is greater than most of your outside cornerbacks for this season. So I, I'm pretty sure he'll be on the team. But as far as playing or not, I think that's still to be determined. So you're saying I need to change my article? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> hey, your, your byline's on it. I know my byline's on it, but I want to make sure I'm right here. I mean, <laughs> I can't tell the future. <laughs> Well, you can't tell the future, but we are kind of playing the what-if game, uh, yeah. trying to predict the future a little bit maybe. Uh, All right, I'll say lock. Here on Cardinals Underground, uh, presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of your Arizona Cardinals, and we proceed. We're halfway you only through, have two. Kyle. You only have two locks? Byron uh, and Malcolm Butler? Oh, Marco? Yeah, I've got Marco because he's a fourth-round pick. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Although you'd have Alford, wouldn't you? I'd probably put Alford over Marco. Well, we'll it, see what Darren puts on easycardinals.com here in a couple I days. Day, I think we got a little while ago. That might be a couple of weeks from now. We'll see what happens. All right, next one on the what if list. What if James Conner has more rushing yards than Chase Edmonds? <laughs> uh, I don't think that'll tell us anything about the season because I think it could very well happen. And if that means that he became your featured back, then that can completely change, like Paul talks about all the time, the <laughs> style of your offense. But it could also mean that James Conner got 13 more rushing yards than Chase Edmonds, and Chase Edmonds had 800 yards receiving. So I don't think – That's it, why it's such a great question, yeah, Kyle. I don't, I don't think we'll be able – like if you told me James Conner outrushed Chase Edmonds this season, I don't think – that I would I wouldn't change any type of projection based off that because I don't think it is very predictive at all and I mean if if James Conner takes the starting role from Chase Edmonds and and they change their offense then that's significant but that what if in itself I just punt that one I don't think it means oh much. you just punt that one the reason I did it was because there's so many different things we can talk about it that's what I mean like it's hard to know what it would mean because there's there's a lot of different directions you could go with what how did you get to this result it's funny because one of the reasons i brought it up was because i think somebody threw a, tw a twitter question maybe or somewhere somebody threw a question at me that basically said is chase edmonds really going to be rb1 because that makes no sense and there should be uh, there should be more more of this being talked about and but connor probably will outrush him right why would you think that? We don't know how much Connor's going to get the ball. I think he'll get more carries you do? than Chase. I think it'll be close, but I think he'll get a few more. So I came like, up with a really good like one. Like 15 a game to 12. I, I, I guess it's possible. I mean, I guess I, you're right. I mean, if we're talking about total yards and he's got more total yards, then that's a problem, I would think, given what Chase Edmonds can do in the receiving game. But even – even then, I mean, if Rondale Moore becomes a whole thing, I, I don't know how much they're going to throw to the running backs either. No, I think they will. I think I think Chase Edmonds showed how good he is catching the ball that I think he'll be pretty significant part of the passing game again, which, like we've talked about a few times, going back to Chase early on in his career to now, the fact that he's a featured receiver at running back is a testament to him. But I, I, I think going back to the essence of the question, I, I don't think James Conner is going to – play a bigger role in this offense than Chase Edmonds. I have I, would agree I have a that. pretty strident belief that Chase Edmonds is going to be your featured back, whether that means rushing for more yards or not. I think he's going to definitely be on the field more than James Conner, get more touches than James Conner. It just depends how it's distributed. I would agree with that. And that's, again, why I kind of 
wrote the question the way it did because I do think Chase Edmonds gets more touches and I do think he'll have more total yards. And yeah. um, But, I, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Quite frankly, the way the league is anymore, I mean, splitting it up, that's – yeah, and, and chase this frame, howling. you have to do it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So what if the Cardinals start five and two again? I'm trying to remember the games. Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee, Vikings, uh Jacksonville, Forty uh, ers oh, I wanna say it leads all the way up until the Packers Thursday night game. Um we don't know who the two would be or who the five would be. Yeah, I mean, if you start five and two consistently, that's obviously going to portend very good things for a season, it, despite what happened last year. I mean, I think if they start five and two, it's going to mean that they turn the corner and Kyler Murray. Go ahead. Okay, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Kyle, but here, but here it is. It's at Titans home against Vikings, at Jaguars, at Rams, home against 49ers, at Browns, home against Texans. Yeah, I mean, I think you can pencil in, pencil, wins pencil. over Jacksonville and Houston, so that's two right there. So it's I don't know. I'm hearing all these things about Jacksonville. They're going to surprise everybody, and Cardinals are going cross-country and going to play in that humidity. <laughs> but, but, I mean, regardless. I mean, I'm not going to talk about the Titans. Paul's not here, so... <laughs> Right. But even if you go three and two in those other games, you're still winning some significant matchups. And I do think if they start five and two, that that would mean something. And even though the outcry would be they're going to slip again, they're going <laughs> to slip again. It's it doesn't mean I mean, it's it, it's obviously a very good sign if they start that well. And certainly they would be most likely in the playoffs, most likely competing for the division probably means either the defense is dominant or Kyler Murray has taken that next step. So, yeah, if they start 5 and 2, a lot of very good things are happening. Well, I mean, if they're 5 and 2, I mean, four of those opponents alone, home against 49ers, at Titans, at Rams, uh, at Browns, you're winning at least right. two of those. That's pretty significant. Right. Yeah, I think the the level of competition early is up there where last year it was backloaded and it's funny that I remember the schedule came out last year and we kept on talking about this schedule is backloaded. They need to take care of business early. <laughs> and they did. And then the narrative after the season is they fell apart down the stretch instead of just saying the opponents got tougher, like we were talking about with the schedule at the beginning. So it all also depends on who you're playing. So this year there's a significant amount of good teams earlier on as well as later, but I think it'll be a good indication if they start 5-2. and two. The problem is that they played the Rams and they played the 49ers at the very end, and those were shells of what the teams right. that you expected. True, so those true. were teams they probably should have beat. No, that's a good point, yeah. I try and make good points once in a while here on Cardinals Underground, so uh, we'll move on to the next one. What if Zayvon Collins is slow to adjust to the NFL game as Isaiah Simmons was? Yeah, I think that's a, a good question. And that's why I threw it out. A, a legitimate uh, possibility. It, you want a guy to come in and, and be strong right away, but we've seen it year and year again with, with rookies that sometimes there's that learning curve. I think it's a good thing that he's an inside linebacker. You can hide those guys a decent amount. I mean, if you're a cornerback that's struggling, people are going to know it. If you're a quarterback that's struggling, people are going to know it. <laughs> Um, but inside linebacker, I mean, you can make mistakes and it's not the end of the world sometimes. So I think you have that ability to hide it for a while, but he just has to pick it up at some point. Like Isaiah Simmons path, 
I think you can live with that if he's if he starts getting it around week seven, week eight, and just kind of deal with the the issues early on and try to cover it up. But if it's a season long thing or if it happens in crucial moments, then that's a really big deal. So I think limiting the big plays off of his mistakes and making sure that he's progressing, as we saw with Isaiah Simmons, I think it's possible, and I don't think it's the end of the world. I would agree with you on both points, and I would throw in something else, which is I feel like Isaiah Simmons is a huge key to this. Like, if Isaiah Simmons hits the ground running this year and because he's played in a year and he's more comfortable and he can basically do his job – it mitigates the rest of it. If Isaiah Simmons is still swimming a little bit with Zayvon Collins trying to come in as a rookie, I that concerns me. Yeah, I think I agree, but I think the way Isaiah Simmons played down the stretch gives me confidence that he's ready to I would agree with that. be a solid player. And if Zayvon Collins shows those flashes that Isaiah Simmons did, because he wasn't good for the first half of the season, but you would see things from Isaiah Simmons like this guy is an athletic freak and you knew eventually he would get there. So if Zayvon Collins can have those wow moments of saying this guy is doing stuff athletically that other inside linebackers can't normally do, yeah. I think that'll give you hope for the the rest of the season. The the this the speeding ticket, the arrest, that does that resonate with you at all? I mean, in terms of what it means football wise at any point? No, no. I mean it's speeding, first of all. I, I think the excessive part of it, if he was going that fast, that's a little bit of a concern. But David what is Collins, he, in case people don't know. Yeah, what is he, 22, 23 years old, got a nice car, probably doesn't realize he was going that fast. I mean, I chalk it up to youth. I'm sure I drove that fast at that age and luckily didn't get a speeding ticket for it. And luckily I'm not famous and people wouldn't pick it apart. But I think it's a part of the growing process. And if, if he – made a mistake and he's still diligent when he's practicing and on the field and making smart decisions off it I think it's just a blip and not a big deal I would agree I to me it it reminds me and from what little I know about him I do believe he's got his head on straight it it feels like all the coaching cliches when they like you can learn a lot more uh you can you can learn just as easily as after a win as you can after a loss and I'm not trying to downplay excessive speeding by any stretch of the imagination but i can think of a lot of other things he could have gotten in trouble with the law with and in those cases speeding is a win i guess if, if you're going to get in trouble with the law and i feel like he will have learned something here and uh and be smart about it and i do think he's going to work really hard to be that guy that they want and we'll see if it happens but it, it's it's definitely going to be an interesting season with two young inside linebackers uh, like the Cardinals have. Yeah, and there's been, I mean, so many years where they've had veterans at that spot who yeah. some of them weren't super athletic like a Josh Bynes, and they knew what they were doing, and they were always in the right spot, but sometimes athletically they couldn't make the play. Now it's the opposite where athletically these two guys are going to make any play that's near them, but can they be in the right spot? So it's a, a different juxtaposition this time, but an interesting one. There's a good chance if they're both successful. At inside linebacker, I won't get any more Daryl Washington. <laughs> yeah. I think that's possible. no; those will never die. Probably not. I like that the uh, Jason W. I think was his name. The the last question in this week's mailbag, which wasn't really a question. You should check it out though. I, I enjoyed the going down uh, memory road with uh, some of the. I, I don't want to call them memes, but some of the uh, the running jokes of the mailbags. So. Yeah. What if? 
DeAndre Hopkins has 115 catches again. That should be great, right? I mean, Does, is it? Yeah. Anytime, anytime you can have a guy near the top of the receiving totals, I think you take it and you. I don't disagree, but here's here's why I think that question can go in a couple different ways. Because one of the reasons he had 115 catches last year was because there wasn't a whole lot of else that Kyler was able to throw to. So the question is: is obviously you're gonna you need more context. But again, this is we're playing what if, and I want to keep it as vague as possible. But if he has 115 catches and nobody else has more than 50, then that's not good. Yeah, I mean, he, if he has 100 and AJ Green has 80 and Christian Kirk has 72, that's something else. Yeah, but I think if you ask me, how do you want D Hop to have 115 catches or to have 100, not knowing what the other guys are doing? Fair. I would just take the 115. Say, I know I've got my number one receiver performing. He's in his prime. He's going to put up whatever it's going to be, 1,200 yards, 1,300 yards off of that, and you've got that staple in your offense like you had last season. I think worst-case scenario is he gets hurt or something happens, and I mean, if we're turning around saying D-Hop had 75 or 80 catches this year, then I got panic bells going off in my head. So I think, I think a solid season from D-Hop gives you that baseline of your passing game, and then obviously – you need Christian Kirk or Rondale Moore or A.J. Green to step up and give you another legitimate threat. But, yeah, I mean, that's where their bread is buttered. If you can get D-Hop 115 catches again, I, I think it's a good sign, and then you obviously have to build on it with some of the other stuff. I, I am curious to know, like, how that production goes. I'm sure DeAndre wishes he could have had a couple few more touchdowns out of those 115 catches. I'm, I'm curious to see if anything changes, if, if he's basically used – Exactly the same, and I'm curious to know if A.J. Green impacts how teams might look at him or if, if, if the A.J. Green part on being on the field is going to be strictly about his openness or be able to get open because of DeAndre Hopkins on the other side. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point in their careers, everybody's going to still bracket DeAndre Hopkins, double DeAndre Hopkins, shade of safety over DeAndre Hopkins, Unless A.J. Green goes six games into the season and shows he's vintage A.J. Green, then you got some question marks. But the fact that he played all 16 games last year and didn't put up the type of numbers that he used to, and it was a significant downgrade from what he used to do, I think clearly D-Hop is your number one, and then people are going to say, the rest of the guys have to beat us, and we'll give you one-on-one coverage with A.J. Green. And if you do the stack of three receivers and DeAndre Hopkins over here or still shading a safety over D hop. And you can throw it to the three wide receiver side because that's what they did last year. And it worked. And until the Cardinals show that we've got a legitimate number two threat, it's definitely going to be, Hey, let's stop DeAndre Hopkins as much as we can. So maybe he doesn't get 115 catches. We'll have to see. They tried to stop him last year and he that's still did. A great point. Are right, you ready for the grand finale, Kyle, yeah. as we wrap up this edition of, Cardinals underground. What if Larry Fitzgerald plays in regular season games this year? <laughs> that'd be a twist, huh? It would be a twist. Ah, oh, man, that'd be – at this point, it's just hard to even think that's going to happen, but that'd be pretty interesting. And I guess the next question is yep. where yep. and – When. Yeah, I mean – you would think, like, if that happens, there's already 
some sort of arrange, arrangement lined up where you're going to come in when camp starts or later, I guess, whenever that <laughs> sun's parade is over. Um, but obviously without an off season, without training as hard, I mean, who knows how hard he's training, if he is training, whatever, but he's busy ripping me on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know how he has any time to train, but it's clearly not going to be Larry Fitzgerald full time in the slot. They have too many slot options. He's not going to play outside anymore. Can he play the Dan Arnold glorified tight end role? I mean, I think that would be the most logical option as you're shaking your head and disagreeing with me. Oh God, um, I hate that idea. But I still think that would be the most realistic. But I just I just don't know how it happens at this point. I can't see a realistic way for that to happen. And even, even I know the question is going to be, what about a different team? But I don't think it's realistic no. for him to go anywhere else either. So – I just I don't see how that comes together. I think I, that's the biggest what if of the day. <laughs> that's why I left it for last, Kyle. <laughs> I don't. Uh, you know me. I've been I've been running the. He's not playing for any other team train from day one. So mm-hmm. I don't think he's playing anywhere else. Uh, and I don't think he's going to end up playing here. But I I don't know. I mean, they're not cleaning out his locker yet. I guess so. I mean, there's that. But I mean. I don't know. I there would just... definitely be a, the the hour of celebration when he says he's returning, and then everybody goes, okay, so what does this mean for the offense? Where is he going to play? What's it going to do? It's going to be – it'll be a lot of questions about what it means for their offense if he does come back. That's true, and and I didn't even think of that, that part of it. I And I hope he doesn't – you know, he wouldn't be doing one of the uh, interviews in the – son's parade and say yeah and by the way i'm also retiring he wouldn't do that to us would he that'd be a good way to to do it just announce it during the parade from a convertible i think i'm going to be out of town when that happens (laughs) i just don't want that there's too much stuff going on kyle at least we're checking off the son's parade that means they i guess they can parade if they lost like they did Uh, 93 they did that pretty good last time too i don't think larry would show up to that one though so I don't know. As we as we wrap up here on uh, Cardinals Underground, uh, presented by Pacific Auto Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, uh, without Paul Calvisi, we're going to add that part to the tagline this this week. <laughs> you know, what if Paul Calvisi never returned? I mean, I think that's a fair question too. I can't wait to check out our uh, listenership for this one and see if it beat all the Paul Calvisi episodes. And if so, his spot is tenuous. <sighs> what if? training camp was around the corner i don't think we need to ask that question anymore because it is and this offseason is going way too fast no doubt about it thanks kyle <laughs>